The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com Hello and welcome to another edition of Hidden Horsepower presented by Total Seal. My name is Joe Costello. Super happy to be back hosting another episode. And joining me once again, he is the Director of Technical Sales for Total Seal, Mr. Keith Jones. Keith, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, everybody. Uh, it, it's great to be here. It's great to be, we'll say, alive and well and enjoying the sunny weather here in Phoenix. Uh, as Joe always says, we don't want to date the shows, but just came back from being in the Midwest, and boy, was it raining. And we'll just say glad to see the sun shining. All right, we can date this particular show. For those of you listening two years into the future, uh, it was great seeing Keith at the 2021 edition of the NHRA U.S. Nationals. Keith came out there. And we did a pit side tech talk right next to Matt's pro stalker, Keith Lake, Ed Keebler from Rottler. It was great. I was the host. We had what I deemed to be a packed house. It was very successful. There will be more uh, coming up in the future. Dallas and Vegas. It's going to be happening. If you're going to be going to one of those races in 2021, that is great. Keith, I know you had a great time. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. It was a a new thing for us to try, and, and as Joe said, I think it went off uh, very, very well. It was standing room only, and uh, we'll just say expect the crowds to just get nothing but bigger. Well, exactly. Learning about ring seal. It's a hot topic these days, especially on Hidden Horsepower. Today's episode, I'm very excited. Hutter Racing Engines, HutterPerformance.com, Ron Hutter. This is someone you do business with on a regular basis, Keith, and he has been a factor in multiple motorsports and in particular in the driving career of somebody that we know pretty well. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Uh, I've been dealing with Ron and his, his lovely wife, Thalia, for many, many years and, uh, you know, really enjoy talking with Ron and working with Ron and, uh, you know, coming up with different ideas for different kinds of platforms. I mean, so many guys get into doing one kind of thing, you know, one kind of engine program, one kind of motorsports, and Ron is a guy that's just, he, he's your guy. You want, you know, you want boat motors, road race motors, drag motors, pulling truck engines, nitrous motors. I mean, he's he's got his pulse on everything. And uh, One day you know, we were having a conversation, and, and Ron at the time was really doing a lot of big cubic inch pro stock stuff, and uh, would you say if I recall the conversation at the moment, you know, not real happy with, uh, we'll say the guy that was working on their team, you know, behind the wheel, and you know, needed to find somebody, and that's when uh, an introduction between my himself and and uh, Matt, I kind of helped put those two guys together, and the rest of that's kind of history. How about that? Let's not go any further before bringing him into the show. Another edition of Hidden Horsepower, Mr. Ron Hutter. Ron, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. Let's get your version of that story. Hartford, your car, racing, go for it. Well, uh, Billy Dingman was the, the team owner, and uh, I hadn't done any big-inch stuff when he came, but I had done some stuff for Billy in the past when, when he was running uh, NASCAR Winston Cup. And so uh, Keith, Keith Wilson mentioned uh, my name to Billy, and he said, oh, I've done business with him. We, we need to give him a call. So that's what started the whole ball rolling and ended up having a, a bit of a driver problem, and we were scouting around for a competent driver, and we ended up blocking horns with uh, Matt Hartford, and uh, they won the championship that year. Keith, how about that? Yeah, that's, that's it's excellent. I mean, it's, 
you know, you, you get a driver, you're able to, it, it felt good to be able to put two people together and have it all kind of come together and, like I said, win a championship. And, uh, you know, they had some adversity, you know, some adversities that year. Uh, for those of you not familiar, uh, if you do a little Googling on YouTube, uh, you'll, you'll see Matt put that thing up on a roof. Uh, but they still came back, thrashed that thing, and, and, and won a championship with it. Uh, and, and working with Ron at that time on the big cube motors, uh, you know, kind of a whole different thing. And really the first time I'd worked with somebody on, on the big cube stuff, really trying to, you know, chisel out every last little piece. I remember Ron, you know, you know, playing with something, you know, from a ring point of view, playing with crosshatch angles and looking at blow by numbers and oil control. Uh, he, Ron really digs into this stuff and, you know, you, you know, it's like a dog with a scent. I mean, he gets on that scent. He's going to, you know, he's going to know all there is to know about it. And, uh, you know, all the research and, you know, that the shared knowledge that he, you know, that he shared with me about how things responded and how things reacted. And, and that's all, you know, stuff that he gets to apply to, you know, his craft every day. The interaction with Keith and stuff has always, has always been good because it's a, it's a give and take deal. You know, he, he offers some suggestions and stuff that he's seen uh, work and et cetera. And I try to give him feedback on what's going on on my end and stuff. So he's uh Keep him in the loop as far as, far as I'm finding anything that's uh, just noteworthy. Very interesting. Funny thing about that story, obviously, Hartford, who is still going in the NHRA and Camping World Series pro stock, but you mentioned Keith Wilson from Wilson Manifolds, who is like my neighbor, and we raced together at uh, Moroso Motorsports Park for many years. Right? And uh, it's just cool to hear you talk about the two of them on a project. Uh, and, you know, I don't know Ron, but now we're connected in, in multiple ways. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's kind of a small world, the racing community. So let's talk about how people you got... Who are, people who are serious about it. People who are serious about it. So how did you get serious about it, Ron? Like, what's the beginning, the origin story for you? Cars, engines, machining, engine building. Oh, gosh. Back back way back when, before I even had a driver's license, I built a go-kart, angle iron and plywood and old Briggs and Stratton motor and stuff. You know, I guess I've been a motorhead all along, you know. Started racing a 60 Pontiac back in the mid-60s in junior stock. That was my first race car. And uh, I just, you know, I've just loved racing all along. You know, it's, if it's competitive and it's racing, I'm, I'm into it. What was the, was, yeah, I know you've done, you know, you've been involved in NASCAR, Grand National Racing. We already talked a little drag racing. I know you dabble in whatever interests you at the moment, but... What was first, your first professional racing engine job? Uh, drag racing. A, a pro, pro stock type thing back in the uh, back in the early 70s, A modified production. We held the modified production record several different times. H gas record. Uh, race pro stock from, well, the second year of pro stock was in existence as, as we, raced, uh, we raced from then until I quit racing i quit driving in 76 and decided i needed to pay attention to the business because i wasn't really doing a super good job of racing or being in business either one so i had to concentrate on one or the other and i chose to be to pay attention to the business well these are yeah and it's great because these are things that you know as long as i've known you know i known ron these are little things that i didn't know and especially, you know, it started off with a Pontiac, and I'm a Pontiac guy, so that, you know, we're, we got Pontiac blood flowing. Uh, so, you know, prior to your own shop, Ron, did you start off working for somebody else, or how did you, we'll say in your formative years, how did you kind of master the craft? I mean, just, you know, fussing around with stuff, or did you work for somebody else prior? 
No, I never worked for anybody else. The only the only jobs I ever held were in uh, car dealerships. I was uh, I worked on the line as a mechanic for a while, and uh, well, I went to college for three years before that bored me to death and I dropped out. But uh, <laughs> the uh, I, I worked at it uh, on the line, and then worked up to um, night service manager, et cetera, and then I started my own shop. Uh, here in Chardon, and it was called Hutt's Dino Shop. It had a chassis dyno in it and stuff, and uh, but I had to close that up because I had to go to active duty. <clears throat> and when I got back out, I went back to work for the guy that I sold the dyno to and for a couple of years, and then uh, <clears throat> in 1970, I ended up uh, moving in here and uh, starting, starting uh, back then it was known as Trick Stuff Engineering, and then Oh, I guess it was 77. I changed the name to Hutter Racing Engines. And uh, I've been poking around here for 50-some years ever since. Oh, that's awesome. See, they're all things I didn't know. And and thank you for your service, by the way. Yes. What branch? (laughs) Army. Excellent. Thank you so much for that. So at at what point in time, Ron, I mean, like you say, you know, you were drag racing. You you got heavy, heavy into the circles track stuff, the Grand National. How did that how did that evolve from the you know from the drag race stuff into that world? Well, I, I became acquainted with Jerry Stahl, and uh, Jerry said that I should pay attention to circle track stuff. That the people were more likely to spend money and serious about their racing and stuff. So I ventured into that realm and had the good fortune to get tied up with Richie Evans again with the help of, Jer- of Jerry Stahl. And uh, uh, Richie was. You know, he, he ran exceedingly well, won multiple championships, and uh, that started the, the modified thing. And we started that at uh, NASCAR Modified Series, and at one time we were doing 14 cars there. Wow, and that, that's it, a lot. Just, that's a lot of engines. <laughs> well, the modifieds don't—they're not as hard on motors as, you know, they don't—they don't worry about having a fresh motor every race and stuff like the, the Cup cars and the. You know the Grand National cars and stuff. They don't. Uh, they don't worry about a fresh motor every race. You know they, they go. Uh, they go pretty much. Our, our rebuild times were in the vicinity of you know fifteen to two thousand laps. Oh wow! So longevity. So they, they but plan on, yeah, yeah, they could plan on having service that long. So we didn't see them back very often. <clears throat> but they want power. I know that. How did you? Uh... You know, how were you in developing power early on, you know, coming from the line, working as a mechanic? We've spoken with other guests on Hidden Horsepower, and uh, it seems like that background is really good for getting it right the first time. Right, Keith? We've heard that in the past. Like, you want to get it right the first time, and uh, when you're in that world, you got to develop power. you got to make power for customers, uh, you know, trying stuff, figuring out things, being ahead of the curve in terms of development. Did you consider yourself uh, ahead of the curve, like a uh, an innovative person? Uh, I guess <clears throat> we. Uh, I think I think part of the big advantage we had back when was uh, we did our own cylinder heads in house, and we could go right from the the flow bench and et cetera to the engine on the dyno and and. Uh, you know, proof out that, that the head really make more power and, and torque. It, was it was it better or was it was it just flow bench numbers? You know, it, uh, the first time I realized that the flow bench wasn't the whole answer, we we were rebuilding a motor for Darrell Waltrip, and and uh, 
I was poking around the flow bench and poking around, and I picked up some flow in the intake port. I said, oh, well, this motor's already good, and this thing's really going to be killer now. We put it on the dyno, and I was off, oh, I think 14. And we poked around looking, were the rings seated? Was this wrong or was that wrong? And just came down to the, the cylinder heads were the only thing really different, you know, not not a question mark. So I took the heads off the motor and, and filled up, you know, put it back in the area where I'd removed material. And 13 of it came back. Wow. So that, you know, I think that was a, for us anyway, it was an advantage because we had... The loop was within the house, you know, and I think that worked that worked well for us as, and early on, you know. And then in the mid '90s, I got uh, tied up with Carl Foltz at CFE, and he's excellent cylinder head guy, you know. He's really huh. on top of the game there. Yeah, <laughs> to, to say the least. You know, and continues to you know to be there. It's a it's amazing, you know, like you said, Ron. You, know, you get out in front of the pack, and you know the guys, you know what it takes to. You know, I hate to say this, it's never to get there, but once you get there, how do you stay there? You know, that's always, you know, that's a you know, big part of the challenge. You know, once you get on the top of the hill, how do you how do you stay on top of the hill? Well, you don't give up looking for more. You know, no matter See? no matter how good you are, there's always there's always something more there if you're willing to look for it and put forth the effort. See and that, and I just got to throw. See that, and, and every former racing wants that, but that's the pro stock guy in it right there. You're just, you, there's always a little more. There's always another half, another one. Uh, so that's because Ron and I have many, many conversations about board finishes and board geometry and coatings, and you know, and, and there's stuff that you know I've worked with Ron on that literally I'd never done before. You know, hey, you know, we're bouncing ideas like we talked about before. You know, what about this? What if we tried, you know, coating the second ring? What about put, you know, this coating on the top ring and playing with all these different things and sizes and profiles and, and, and Ron's kind of always been, you know, one of those, hey, I'll try it kind of guys. You know, you get some people that wanna, you know, they're willing to try things and you know, and then you got the guys that are, eh, I don't know. Ron, you know, we'll talk it out. Uh, and and he's always willing to give that a shot, see what it does, and and that shared information. What what if you know? And, and from the ring point of view, kind of steering this towards the rings a little bit. What's the biggest changes you've seen over the years, Ron? Uh, and the biggest advantages you think you know that that we've been able to help you with? Oh, the ring package itself has has gotten well. It's been it's been refined. You know, it, a, a narrower, thinner ring. You know, with less weight. But the the finish, the the, the profile is. Is, is precise and uh, the ring groove to go along with the ring you know so the ring can do its job as designed you know if you have if you have a good ring but you don't have a good groove you're you're doing that ring some dirt you know because you're not allowing it to really come up to its potential you know it's uh it's uh that that's you know that that, that ring thing is you know the finishes and the, the tolerances and coatings the profiling and et cetera, that's, it all it all adds up. I'm glad you touched on the ring groove there for a second because this is something that a, a lot of listeners may not realize, and, and this is something that I know Ron's run into a zillion times, I run into all the time, is, you know, rings and pistons have to go together. It's, a, it's literally a hand and a glove. You know, it's a lifter on a cam. It's a brake pad on a rotor. You know, these things become mated surfaces. And a challenge that we face all the time is people will go to rebuild that engine and replace that ring and want to use that piston over. And I'm not saying that you can't do this, but I have a lot of guys that struggle. You know, they can't get it back. They, they go through it. They, they did everything right. They honed it. They did all the stuff. But it never 
It just doesn't come back to where it was. And 99% of the time, as good as that piston looks, that ring groove's not as fresh and as rectangular. It's just not what it was day one. And that ring, you know, as we've said so many times, a ring can't fix a bad cylinder. It can't fix a bad ring groove. Uh, so for those of you listening to this, uh, if you run yourself into that or you find yourself in that situation, uh, you want to check the ring groove. You want to get some gauge pins out and start checking that ring groove if that job card says, you know, that groove's 043 and a half, and you stick a 43 and a half gauge pin in there, that pin should be snug all the way around that groove. If it's got a little slop in it, you got a groove that looks like a teeter-totter, and there's, there's your power. You know, those parts get mated. You know, they, they get happy with each other, you know, and when you start disturbing that uh, that interface, then things the bad things can happen. You know, I, I, I know that you know, it's, it was real popular. I don't know, maybe it still is real popular as far as anodizing ring grooves. Uh, I've never had any luck with having a ring groove that's coated or anodized or anything like that. It's performing like a, a, a precision machined ring groove with with nothing done to it other than just, you know, the precision machining. Yeah, agreed, Ron. It's, it is something that's still being done out there. You know, in the guise of preventing micro welding, but but as you said, you know the the piston company spends all this time, you know, making this precision groove. We make the precision ring, and then you go throwing this anodizing into it, which is anything but precision, uh, at least from my perspective. And you get the result that you just said. It's a, it's an absolute, you know, it's it's just never as good as the other way around. That's for certain. Right. Yeah. Right. I know that, that you know certain racetracks, maybe not anymore since they cut the horsepower way back on those cars and stuff. But you know, you go to big tracks like Michigan and Atlanta and stuff where you're a long time on a throttle at a high high horsepower, high RPM situation. If you don't, it seems like if you break it in properly on the dyno and stuff, and and take your time and and, and get everything run in good on the dyno, the chances of micro welding are much less. And if you just give it a quick lick and a prayer as far as the break-in goes. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that 100%. And that's something that, again, we deal with a lot is the guys that are running the dynos and running these things. And, you know, again, Ron knows it. I've seen it many times is, you know, the people will put, you know, three, you know, what, 10-second pulls on an engine and, yep, yep, she's good. And you're, you're what you say, you're a long way from home at that point in time. Oh, yeah, you betcha. <clears throat> Yeah, you got to kind of sneak up on it. You don't dare go on, go in there and uh, start leaning on it wide open right away and, and expect everything to be become you know properly mated and broken in and, and happy with each other. You know that's something that we talked about in the tech talk, Keith. That 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 comes up a lot. And I, as I eavesdrop on other people's conversations, you know the break in procedure. I think that. You know, I, I don't want to say that's where a lot of people are making a lot of mistakes, but it seems that might be the case that this is an area that uh, that a lot of people maybe cause themselves problems by not doing it the right way, Keith. Oh, I, oh, I agree completely. Uh, so many of the problems that I see, uh, you know, from a ring point of view, piston point of view, uh, they're, they are 100% purely self-inflicted. Uh, you know the the the, the break-in process and how the length of time and procedure and how fragile and again it's probably not the right word to use but maybe it is uh, how fragile that relationship is at that point in time and if you tip it 
you know, a little too far one way or the other way, it's, it's gonna, you're going to spoil it real quick. And if you get everything just right, uh, you're going to come out with something really good. Another thing that can happen inadvertently, and, and now people don't realize it, but if you fuel wash that cylinder right off the bat, that ring, that ring seat will never, never be right. Yeah, it's never, wash never going to get a chance. Walls and stuff. And it, uh, it, it, it's never going to come in like it could if it was, you know, not fuel washed and just had the proper amount of oil and stuff there. And then once, and you get it one shot at breaking it in, and you're never going to get it to be what it could have been. I guess it'll still run, right? But it's just not going to run as. Oh yeah, it'll still run, and but it'll it'll just be off on power. It won't it won't ever come up to its true potential because it's you know it's glazed the it's glazed the ring or the walls. Now, Ron, you we already talked about Hartford and you guys running together, so that's one side of your you know working resume. You dropped the name Daryl Waltrip uh, going back, and so a lot of our listeners are are engine builders and racers, but a lot of them are just fans to hear interesting stories of the people behind the scenes in this industry, because after all, the people who make the power are the people who win the championships. Uh, who else have you worked with and around in your career that would be interesting to those folks? Well, we did Junior Earnhardt's motors the two years he won the championship on the Yeah, there's one. Series. That's a good one. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and they may not have heard of that guy, you know. Yeah, yeah, he he's gone on to some pretty good things. Hey, right here in the studio, I've got a little Dale Earnhardt AC Delco championship car. That's so cool that your engines were in that car, and so many people fell in love with that kid because of those two years. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a good deal. He he, he won that championship two years in a row, and I didn't. Trevor went to the the banquet the first year. And uh, Tony Erie Sr. says, well, you're coming to the banquet. I come. I said, well, if you win it next year, too, then I'll go to the banquet. Because I'm not big on banquets and winter circles and stuff like that. You know, I'm kind of a stand-back-and-watch type guy. But darn it, they didn't go and win it the second year, and I had to go to Hollywood to that banquet and stand up there in front of people and, and say a few words. How does that deal call my bluff? <laughs> How does that deal come together? Like, do you get a call, and it's, is it Tony Urie Sr.? Is it... Is it Earnhardt who who uh, who made that happen? Tony Erie Senior is the one that called me, and um, they were they were struggling with our engine builder they had, and um, uh, they they were looking for something different, and we had stuff that in that series that was running quite well, and and uh, Tony wanted to check out and see if if he could uh, come up with something you know agreeable deal with us to to supply motors for them and uh we did for those two years very cool so i don't know if you're going to be able to trump uh you know earnhardt jr as a name drop but uh what about, <laughs> what what about uh going back a little bit further oh richie evans uh jimmy spencer okay mr excitement um uh mike mclaughlin you know, there were modified guys that went on to the, the uh, Bush Grand National type thing. Uh, dirt, dirt of modifieds, Bob McCready, and you know several of the cars that, that ran that dirt modified series. Where, you know, we ran, we had motors in those cars back then. But when we started doing a lot of the, the Bush Grand National stuff, we kind of closed the shop for a few years and just did, just did the, the lease program for for motors for down south. 
2003 or four, we decided that uh, NASCAR wasn't liking the idea of privateers around. They wanted to kind of have a, you know everything under control right there in Mooresville and in Charlotte area. So I quit doing the, the NASCAR thing and just kind of went back and, and did a little of this and a little of that and whatever whatever soaked my fancy, you know. And decided I did some road race stuff and BMWs and did a uh, Aston Martin DB6 for a guy. Just kind of you know sprinkled around stuff around here and there and did different stuff. Like you and I have talked about, right? Like stuff to keep you know you're doing the stuff that interests you now, not just you know. We'll say not just what it takes to keep the lights on. I'm not saying any of it was, but uh, you, you got to pay the bills. But now you're, you're kind of you know picking and choosing. And I think that's kind of that to me. That's kind of fun. You get to work on the ones you want to work on and do the things that yeah. you want to do. What's a what? Right. I mean, I know you've been playing with some nitrous stuff. Is that kind of you know got you going right now? Yeah, it's we did a, a well. It's a it's a spinoff of our 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 turbocharged motor that we have in our family race car. Mm-hmm. It's a it's an LS architecture uh, aluminum engine that is it's, it's it's classified as a small block even though it's 440 inches. But we did one for the Pokarskis that was running that Pro uh, 632 Pro and PDRA, and it was mm-hmm. 480 inches. And they went in and set the record and won a couple races and stuff. And then all of a sudden they started adding weight to them, add weight to them, add weight to them. And, so they uh, they kind of stepped on them a little bit. So, <clears throat> but at any rate, that yeah, was a nitrous deal. But uh, Polkarskis have uh, a close relationship as far as the nitrous part of it goes. Uh, the actual nitrous tune-ups with uh, uh, Brandon Switzer, you know, they, he he helped them with the actual nitrous tune-up, and we did we do the the basic engine itself. Well, like any any class of racing, you know, you find that you know, we'll say you find that loophole, that advantage, you know, building a quote-unquote small block and. Like you say, they're gonna they're gonna try to take that advantage away as fast as they can. Yeah, they I think we've seen that in about every form of racing. As soon as you step up, they're gonna figure out a way to slow you down. Yeah, it's kind of kind of unfortunate, especially in the circle track realm, you know, because it you know it's turned it's turned a lot of the racing into just follow the leader stuff. You know, it's uh, it's a little bit unfortunate in that respect, and it's kind of a, takes some of the interest away and the excitement for fans and stuff if they're just out there riding around following each other. I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I, I I'm just I I grew up in that era, that age. You know, call it the golden age uh, of creativity, and you know, the whole goal was to do something different and to be different. You know, kind of, you know, we'll say go back to the '70s for music in the '60s, and you know, you want to get a record deal, you don't ever sound like somebody else. You got to be you. And now it's like you got to sound like everybody else. And and you know, racing to me, that's that's the whole point is to be different, to come up with that. You know, the yeah. the next greatest idea. And I know you're always working on that. I know you're always trying to push yeah. it. Yeah, some of the best racing I ever seen was was uh, the the modifieds running up in New England. You get Richie and Ronnie Bouchard and and uh, Charlie Drazon back on those guys, and they they started like back 12th, 13th, 14th, and through there and had to come to the lead. And that was that was pretty serious because not only they're racing with the cars in front of them, they're racing with each other too, you know, and, and it was pretty exciting. Yeah, that, like I say, that Northeast Modified Series, that was serious. That was some serious racing. Back, back then it was. We've run into the conversation several times here on Hidden Horsepower, and, of course, we ask everybody out there to subscribe and uh, write a review, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or otherwise. But the 
um, you know, try to control costs through making rules to limit development discussion. And mm-hmm. you, you make all these rules and then everybody has to adhere to the rule and it ends up costing money and it's counterproductive. Well, the big thing is, no matter how good the intentions are or the people who make the rules, they, they don't tend to be close enough to the deal to know exactly what, what costs what. But if just say they, they pass a set of rules and, and put them in place and people got to spend money to conform to those rules, if they left the rules in place for five years or something, that might actually save somebody a little bit of money. But that doesn't happen. You know, they, they pass these rules, and then maybe a year, two years later at the most, they're changing them again because they're not happy with what they did. So, so it's costing people money all over again. You know that if they're gonna if they're gonna do a rule deal, they need to put it in place and leave it there, and that may in fact save people a little bit of money. But the way they do it, it just ends up costing people money. I, and I agree with what Ron just said. You know, if you're gonna pass the rules, you've got to let the rules stand. You know, previous interview you know with Kenny McNamara, you know, kind of the same thing. It, you know, you keep bouncing around the rules all the time, and nothing ever gets a chance to settle down and amortize itself out and. Uh, it's just, you know, we'll call it initial investment all the time because they keep having to react to the changes, regardless of what part of the car it is. Uh, you you got to let that settle down and let the cost spread out, you know. So what's the latest project, Ron? What's the, uh, I mean, I remember the BMW stuff, working with the Alucil bores. It's, it's funny, you know, Ron was doing BMW 24-hour stuff, and there's a product called Alucil. It's a silicon-impregnated aluminum bore, and there's a certain process of how that has to be treated and, and we were having ring problems and you know ron realized that because they were in a dry sump engine pulling vacuum uh, they had to ha- change the way that you know was perceived of how to process that cylinder and leave a little more crosshatch in it back to that oil retention and, and again one of those things that ron has helped us to learn and to understand about these exotic cylinder materials and have, have you been working with any of that kind of stuff still Ron? i'm not sure where you're at with those programs no i i decided not to do any more bmw stuff when we started doing that program they were getting like 23 hours out of the motors and by the time we ended it up it was it was over 70. wow so yeah so well, you see, you, you tr- increase in in, uh, in useful life oh yeah triple that that you talk about saving money on a budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That, 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 you weren't building no Pinto engines there. That couldn't have been a cheap piece. <laughs> no, it, it was a it was a real learning process in that deal because of, of the aluminum stuff is is uh, it's really tricky. Yeah, there's a lot of you know discussion about that sports car stuff, sports car technology. I it's uh, I guess common thought that you know the drag race stuff is maybe a little primitive. But is it like compared to what you were working with? Well, when you when you say primitive, you're you're comparing typically pushrod engines with overhead cam, variable valve timing stuff, you know, and fuel injection, uh, electronic fuel injection, electronic engine management stuff, and a lot of that hasn't for, you know flexed into the the draggiest stuff yet. But uh, I suppose that you know. Eventually it will, but uh, some of those European manufacturers, they've, and well, Ford has too. You know, they've those those five liter, and five point five, you know, five point four motors they have with a dual dual every cams. They uh, they make some serious power. Yeah, 
So as we come down the stretch here, Ron, I'm really interested in hearing a couple of more things. I will ask you momentarily to give some advice to the next generation out there because hopefully there are new young kids that are still interested in engine building and machining and uh, working late in the shop to find that extra hidden horsepower out there. But first, I'd love to know about Keith. Has he ever come to you with an idea that was just crazy? You know, I know that they're on the uh, they're on the development train too over there at Total Seal, and they like to you know like to come up with ideas and uh, sometimes come up with something that is out of the norm for an engine builder. But they try it, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, et cetera, and so on. So, what about that? I've never been bashful about trying stuff. Uh, I wish I could say everything I tried worked. But uh, that's just not the case, you know. It, it, you, you try something, but you have to be, you have to be objective about it. Like that, that, that little story I told you about Daryl Waltrip. You know, it broke my heart that I spent all that time doing those heads and stuff, and they weren't as good. You know, if I if I was, I could if I could look for an excuse to you know blame something else, but the fact of the matter was, you know, I messed up and and they had made the heads worse rather than better. You know, you got to be objective. You got to pay attention to detail. You know, the details are, you know, everybody knows how to bore a block. Everybody knows how to do a basic home job and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, when you get, you start picking stuff apart, the details are what, what makes a difference. The details are what makes the difference. So true. Keith, final question for Ron Hutter from Hutter Racing Engines. And folks can check out the website, hutterperformance.com. Final question, Keith. So what's the, we'll say, you know, with everything going on what's the, what's the newest project around what you know i know you guys got the fact you know the house race car you know your son trevor all the stuff you guys are working on what's the what, you know what's the next thing what you know what 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 challenge do you and i have to face next <laughs> <laughs> well I, I guess i'd like to try and, <laughs> and come up with some kind of a refined deal for my uh my turbocharged deal you know, kind of push the envelope there a little bit and see what we can come up with. You know, I've the the, the combination, you know, the ring life in it and the wall life and stuff like that. It's all, you know, quite good for one of those motors. But you know, again, when we take it apart and look at it, I think that there's room for improvement, and I'd like to try and move down that that avenue a little bit and try and make that that combination a little better. Well, I think we, I think we can. We can look at, like we talked about a couple times, the conform rings. You know, try to push it to the next thing. One of the interesting things, and it's not really a question, but it's more of a comment, uh, with Ron is, you know, things that you know we we talked about, you know, pushing that envelope. And Ron is, as Ron said in his own words, he's not bashful about trying stuff. Uh, but the, the 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 great thing, and Ron recognizes this, and this is what, you know, he will try something, but it's like, you know, hey, that worked really good, but you know. But we gave up a little, you know, we made some power, we gave up a little bit of longevity. So what if we backed it off like halfway and, and, and working and refining, you know, what is going to give us the power but also the longevity? Because, you know, it's great to make power, but if it's only good for one pass, what's the point? Or, you know, one trip around the circle track, what's the, you know, what's the point? It's got to last. And, you know, again, Ron was talking about, the, you know, the, the lifespan, uh, you know, in the early days of the modified engines, and you know, NASCARs come full circle to that now. You know, you look at the, the amount of lifespan that's required, uh, and and you see more and more of that, where we have to find, you know, we got to find the power. Nobody ever wants to give that up, but we also have to make it last. So that's you know, that, that's a big part of what you know we work on together. Yeah, it all goes hand in hand. You know, it's hard to justify one without the other. <clears throat> 
power and longevity. Uh, speaking of longevity, you have certainly had it in this field, and we hope that we're doing a podcast. People are out there running machines, listening right now, maybe even some kids in a class uh, somewhere listening to the greatest engine builders of all time give their secrets. Uh, would you have any advice for that next generation, how to make the most of this profession, of this career, to get ahead uh, in their lives? Well, one thing for sure, it's a whole lot easier to deal with good racers. You know, I've had I've had the good fortune to deal with good good racers. You know, and, and some of the names I've mentioned, you, you can tell that I've, I've had the good fortune to deal with with good people. I've also been fortunate enough to have a relationship with Jerry Stahl and Bill Jenkins and et cetera. You know, and, and uh, you know, that all, that all helps. But uh, you, you have to be you have to be objective and you have to pay attention to detail. You, know, you can't just throw stuff together and and, uh, and think you're gonna you're gonna get it done, you know, at a high level. Attention to detail, and yes, the grump even gets a a shout out here on Hidden Horsepower. Absolutely love it, Ron. Thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast. Uh, appreciate what you do. So much history cross platforms in motorsports, and uh, the fact that you're still going at it and uh, trying to find horsepower. I absolutely love it. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Keith, uh, obviously, any final thoughts for Ron? Now's the time. Just just to reach out and say thank you to you and your family. And, you know, again, the, the, you know, the respect that we give each other, it's a great working relationship, Already always has been. And beyond that, you know, it's a privilege to call you my friend. Yep, me too. I feel the same way, and it's been a pleasure talking to you two folks. And there he goes, Ron Hutter from Hutter Racing Engines. Keith, the history, the experience, casually dropping out. Yeah, well, Daryl Waltrip uh, made a mistake, or Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s uh, you know, championship runs in the Bush Series. Amazing. Yeah, Ron's a fantastic guy and a very modest soul. Uh, he's not one to wave his flag and beat the drum. You know, and I'm sure like the people that he talked about, that's probably just a, literally the tip of the iceberg. Uh, he's been involved, you know, with so many different professional level race teams, and uh, you know, you mentioned to his name, you know, his name in, you know, in the in the circles that know him. It's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Ron. You know, uh, he he is a really, a truly a great guy and a gentleman. Yes, yes, and the advice to the next generation: attention to detail. I know that's kind of like a cornerstone of hidden horsepower. I, I like to extract something from these amazing engine builders and that's one that's good for everything right attention to detail you don't have to be an engine builder to take advantage of that advice oh absolutely i mean it's 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 slow down take a look at it, it you know again attention detail pay attention to all the little things going around because if if your eyes are open and your your ears are listening uh you know that engine and this, you know, this world and this life will teach you some things if you're just paying attention. Absolutely. Well, this puts another one in the books, Hidden Horsepower, presented by Total Seal. Keith, great hanging out with you once again, both at the track and on the podcast. We hope to see you down the road. I know we've got uh, uh, Trackside Tech Talks 
planned for Dallas. We've got one planned for Vegas. We're going to be out there as the NHRA countdown goes on. And, of course, uh, into the future, for those that are listening into the future, we ask you to subscribe and write a review about the podcast and check out our past episodes. We've got some really great people in there who share so much great information. But what about you, Keith? What's going on at Total Seal? And if somebody's got a project, how do they reach out to you? Yeah, just you can you can email us through the website. Uh, my email, Keith J at Total Seal, info at Total Seal. Uh, again, through the website, totalseal.com. Give us a call at the toll-free 800-874-2753. We're probably one of the easiest companies to get a hold of, and we will actually answer you back. Uh, so, yeah, we're pretty rich. Just reach out to us. Glad to help you. All right, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to break. We timestamp this uh, all over, and it's okay, right? But when Greg mm-hmm. Anderson was standing there, watching your presentation at the U.S. Nationals. And here the guy is about to be the winningest pro stock racer in history, which he now is. At the time he wasn't, but now he is. And he is there, and he probably, you know, you might assume he'd come over to be polite to Matt, but he stayed there for the whole time and watched the whole presentation. What were you thinking? Uh, It it was an honor and a privilege. You know, about a third, maybe half of the way through, uh, that we were doing our presentation. I, you know, you keep looking up, you're looking at the crowd, you're talking to the different people, and, and, and Greg's still there. He's still looking. He's not chatting it up with Matt. Uh, and it was like, okay, he's, he's here for the deal. Uh, we'll just say it was a true honor and, and felt great having him there and love to, you know, love the opportunity to sit down with him and talk more with him about piston rings. And, and he said uh, that he would do our show, so we're going to get him on here and we're going to hammer him on that. That's right. That's right. Subscribe on an upcoming episode with Greg Anderson, who maybe at that time will be the winningest pro stock driver ever in history. We will just have to wait and see. He's Keith Jones, the director of technical sales for Total Seal Piston Rings. My name is Joe Costello. Keith, thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks, everybody that's listening. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of Hidden Horsepower, presented by Total Seal.